This episode of the podcast has been brought to you by Sweet Cheetah Publicity. Sweet Cheetah is an inclusive, socially conscious PR collective that puts their money where their mouth is. They have a current roster of bands that reads like a greatest hits anthology. Brainiac, Catholic School, Jawbox, The New Amsterdams, Oceans in the Sky. I mean, the list goes on and on. They also do PR for record labels such as A La Carte, Arctic Rodeo, Steadfast, Rad Girlfriend, and so many more. How do they pay it forward? How do they put their money where their mouth is? By generating thousands of dollars in annual charitable donations to the likes of Women in Vinyl, Coalition of Communities of Color, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and many, many more. The man has the receipts. I've seen them. It is real. The artists, labels, and podcasts Sweet Cheetah works with are curated with an eye on working primarily with friends. You could find Sweet Cheetah on all of the social media platforms, be it Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just look for Sweet Cheetah PR and they will be there. He's been Tim. I've been Peter. And Sweet Cheetah has been beautiful. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I am your host, Peter, and I am still here. Tonight on the podcast, we have Mr. Josh Goldman. Josh has been in rad company. He's in the Dopamines. He's in the Raging Nathans, the Ridiculouses, so many other bands he's been involved with, be it the Queers. He, he's, he's just, he's been around with the exception of his membership in all of these bands, he also runs their record label, Rad Girlfriend Records. The Nathans have a new record coming out in January, entitled Still Spitting Blood. And every two weeks, up until the release, you will get a new single from said album. This is a great episode. Josh and I really break into some of the inner workings of what it takes to be a Raging Nathan what it takes to be in a band that puts out sometimes two records a year and you know the interpersonal relationships that take place behind the scenes the fuel for the music as it were sometimes not the prettiest but always interesting always fruitful and always capable of creating some of the greatest punk rock anyone has ever heard if you haven't heard already you can become a subscriber to this podcast. In doing so, you will be eligible for not only hearing one exclusive members-only episode per month, but you will also get gratis the soundtrack compilation to season one of the podcast. It's song from almost every single artist that took part in season one. It's going to be great. It's coming in the new year. I suggest getting on top of this soon. That being said, I don't want to beleaguer your experience by going on and on and on about all of this. This is Josh of Rad Girlfriend Records and the Raging Nathans on the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. 
news The ones left unexplored And I've been thinking about the line pit Down on Route 4 Lies are just excuses The things you try to hide But I've been thinking about the line pit The ones we left behind Lies are just excuses The things you try to hide But I've been thinking about the line pit And my friend who just fucking died I can't find hide nor hair of who I once was mine Since she disappeared and nothing I wanted to thank you first of all for uh, allowing me to come up with that uh, goofy ass line of uh, five questions to go into uh, Idiotech. <laughs> oh no, it's my pleasure, man. I'd asked uh, <clears throat> I'd asked him if if uh, he knew anybody that would maybe want to do a little bit of an because I've done some stuff for Idiotech before and and <clears throat> like the two or three pieces that I did, I just like they agreed to a premiere a song and then. I interviewed the band so I, you know i was like keeping with that i thought well maybe someone can interview me yeah yeah it, it was fun too i uh maybe I, I i pushed it a little too far with uh coming up with the idea of of uh this this world-worn uh al pacino type character like so listen <laughs> <laughs> no not at all man it was they were they were nice questions yeah yeah and you know i mean I was just kind of playing off of things you had already sort of uh, written about yourselves. And I thought I'd kind of include it to have it like an in-joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, you guys have really been plugging away. It, it seems like the pandemic has not, uh, there's no flies on you guys during this whole time period. No, it, I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me shut this door real quick. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> uh, no, that's right. I mean, uh, the 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 pandemic was actually like it, you know it, it didn't really know how it was going to go but that march when you know I worked at a bar and I didn't know what to do with the kids so I took unemployment like right away like the, like March fifteenth the day it shut down yeah. so I was at home you know and I'm not used to being at home I. You know, I'm, I'm constantly at work or on the road or like whatever. So it was a big change and it just ended up being like productive, you know, like I sat and I, I you know, I wrote a ton of songs and then I just, I had a little interface. I set it up with GarageBand on, on this computer and I would sit down here and I'd, you know, and I, and I would just write songs and then it worked out because Nick, the other, the other guy, he was writing songs christians write songs and it's like the more i bug them you know it's like and then it kind of almost became this thing like you know like not like a competition but maybe a little bit you know it was like oh yeah. you, you wrote a pretty good one like let's see if we can you know get another one going and it ended up being like i mean we did two albums worth of material and then several seven inches worth of stuff so i mean really like three records worth of stuff Jesus Christ. Um, well, it was great because I was so, you know, our band has been around for so long. And at first we weren't very good. And then, you know, and then there's, you, you always having like constant kind of member changes. And I think like playing shows and touring 
can really like uh, hinder progress in terms of writing new material. And so we were, you know, having the same lineup for several years already has done very well for in terms of, you know, writing new songs. It, it seems like, uh, I, I mean, on from my end, I definitely had uh, a great time with the whole shutdown because I have a th- I'm too old to have a three year old, but I do. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I got to stay home with him instead of going to work. And my wife pushed me into since I, you know, my band wasn't doing anything, uh, doing a podcast. And that's where this came from. And that's where my resurgence into journalism came from. So I didn't get to write anything in the way of music, but I definitely got to do this and spend a ton of time with my kids. So, I mean, it, it's. Yeah, it was, a, it was a perfect time. My, my son was three at the end of three four and at the beginning of five you know before i ended up going back to work so yeah i mean it was great i got to spend all that time that i had been on tour when he was a baby i feel like i got at least to make it make up for it a little bit during during that year and a half why do i feel like still spitting blood though is is uh a more vicious like song than you guys have really done I mean, there's just something there's something about it that just feels different. I mean, maybe not sonically, but there's an attitude to it that I think is is vastly dissimilar from everything you guys have done. And I've been listening to you guys since you've been a band. I've always enjoyed um, it. But this is this is definitely fucking different. Yeah, I think it's just, so, you know, we've been sitting on this record for over a year. I mean, mm-hmm. we we recorded this record in 2021. And, and then I was just like, I, well, what do I do with it? I didn't think that the world really needed, you know, we, we did Oppositional Defiance and then we did Waste My Heart less than a year later, I think. Yeah. And then we had this one in the can and ready to go. And it was like, well, maybe I'll just like see how it goes, sit on it, you know, mm-hmm. which was stupid on my part. I should have just like put it out right at, at the beginning. But I don't know, man. When I listen to this record now, I actually, so this has turned into a record for me that I don't like, like listening to anymore because I've heard it so many times. It's a short record. It's like 10 songs and 20, some, two minutes or something. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, I'll like not listen to it for a while and then I'll try to listen to it again to see it or like maybe I'll smoke some weed or something, try to listen to it or, you know, just anything to get kind of fresh ears on it. Mm-hmm. And, I think that Still Spitting Blood, that song, um, yeah, it's pretty It's pretty straightforward. Like, I think that that's what we were going for with that one. And I think that the vo- the vocals ended up being kind of uh, a little kind of brutal on it, too. Like, it, it was very, like, when I listen to it, I think of, like, it reminds me of, like, and I, I hate saying shit. Like, it's like weird Could to compare yourself to somebody else, you know, but, yeah. but that particular song, I feel like the vocals remind me of like Roger Merritt in, in some agnostic front stuff, you know, it's yeah. kind of really like really throaty and like wet sounding. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know, man, I think we just went in there cause we had all the songs and we were just like, all right, fuck it. Let's just go record. I was like, or I think that we, I don't know, we had to go record for a seven inch or something. And then we were, I was like, you know what? Why don't we just fucking record this whole record? We have all the songs, you know what I mean? They they weren't all like, you know, fleshed out a hundred percent, but we went in the studio and we just, we did it. But yeah, there's, there's a couple tunes on there that, and, and 
this is a really heavy Nick record. Um, usually him and I are totally even on songwritings for the record, but I used a lot of songs that I had written in the pandemic on seven inches mm-hmm. that still aren't out yet. Um, and I, f- and it, it's kind of funny cause my songs always end up on seven inches. <laughs> and I think that they're really, some of them are really, really good songs. You know, but if you look at like the Spotify like top songs, you know, like four out of five of them are Nick's, or like Nick wrote the music and I wrote the lyrics or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just because seven inches don't get as much play as like, you know, an LP does um, right. in those songs, you know? But, but look at, think of it this way too, though, not to interrupt you. Um, when you put a song on a seven inch, like going back throughout, you know, the annals of, of hardcore and punk. If you're gonna if you're gonna put a couple songs on a seven inch, they have to really stick out because there's there isn't like a whole bunch of context around them, so they have to come out of the gate having a real sense of personality. As, yeah, a point as as like a fleshed out uh, uh, entity of its own. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so well, many examples of seven inches that are just so fucking. They're such bangers that no matter what bands did outside of this seven inch these songs have such a personality so yeah you can't really discount them just because they ended up on a single no i actually i really agree with you um the seven inches like you know i remember i always felt like like this band isn't really gonna you know as much as i want this band to be successful or, or like whatever i want out of it at the end of the day like i have to accept what it is and so I, I kind of felt like, okay, well, if, you know, we're not going to be one of these bands that's going to be getting paid a lot of money to play these giant festivals or like whatever. I was like, what we're going to do is at this point, we, we'd already put out a ton of records. I was like, you know, we're going to put out as many fucking records as we can. And if they start getting worse than the previous records, we'll call it a day. And it kind of gave myself like, you know, a... Uh, I don't know, something to like, you know, look at when I, when I'm writing music. And so for a lot of the split seven inches, I'm always looking for split seven inches. Cause I just think it's a great format. I think it's fun to do. And, um, I think it's fun to like, you know, uh, put yourself up against the music of another band. Yeah. And so some of, the, I think some of the best songs. So like the, the first one, the Reaganomics seven inch, um, you know, I was like, glad to be working with red scare on that one yeah and so I, I wanted to make sure like i went when when we agreed to do that i didn't have those songs i went down that night and wrote those two songs fucking demoed them out and then we went and recorded them like within a week you know what i mean and they ended up being i think two of our best songs just like musically i think that they're strong songs and the same with like the dwarves um split now that's a great seven yeah if i could re-record those tunes see the problem with that one is that the the songs are really strong i think like the songwriting and those are two of my best songs that i've written but you know everything was rushed right so i I like wanted to get it done as fucking fast as possible because i didn't want to lose that opportunity and for me with something like that i was like you know it's not it's not really happening until it happens. You know what I mean? Anything can go wrong at any moment. You could talk all day, but until the record is like, you know, at the plant, 
all bets are off. So I went and it's like, you know, I like the night we're in the studio and the night before I'm like, Hey, Pat, like play it like this, you know? And, and you can just hear it in the fucking, in the songs that it's that they may not be as well developed as they could have been. Like if I could go back and re-record drug dealing for money and pig pen, like on an LP, they would sound way better. You know what I mean? But that's that's your point of view because they're they're your babies. For the rest of the listening public, they sound fantastic. Oh, they might not know that. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> but they but they do. And and like I can say that with um, a great degree of certainty because I have recorded a great many songs that I I wish to God I could go back and redo, and I could pick out everything that I think is wrong with them. But only I know how they're supposed to sound in my head. Right. No, yeah. Nobody fucking else does. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, it, it's a matter of, uh, you know, beauty being in the eye of the beholder, I guess, to kind of like go to a platitude with it. But in all reality, yeah, people aren't going to know what you were thinking or what yeah, your sure. vision was. So one, one but I, do, I do think that some of the, the good songs, you know, end up on seven inches. And so but I think what I was trying to say was that Nick's songs on still spitting blood on on the lp you know he's got three of them like that mm -hmm. um that are just kind of like you know real fast real straightforward just real rippers you know um i wrote the lyrics for that one and then he wrote the other two that i'm talking about um but the rest of the record i feel like you know kind of runs the the gamut of um genres in terms of are like what what the nathans do you know yeah. it, it, you know we have we have songs that are if you look through our catalog you know it's like we have we have hardcore songs we have like yeah. kind of weird like like thrashy metally songs we have real poppy pop punk songs you know well, there's um, there's a real uh chicago influence on you guys via naked ray gun i think Maybe I'm just hearing that through my own lens, but I definitely hear aspects of Naked Raygun and what you guys do in the in the more poppy elements, and that's that's a big cosign for me because they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Oh yeah, I mean that's great. I I, I like Naked Raygun. I I don't personally wouldn't cite them as an if influence. I, I think they're they're a weird fucking band. They are um, a weird band, yeah. And I like, but I, and it's like I like that. Um, but I enjoy hearing what other people can pull out of it. You know, it's like, we've been, uh, you know, one that brought a smile to my face was like, we were compared to like RKL one time, Yeah. you know, and that yeah. was like, that was cool. Cause you listen to those bands, right. And they were just superior musicians. Yeah. And, and that's what it, I think it falls flat for a lot of people is like, you look at these bands that that everyone kind of worships in in like punk rock world like the descendants mm. or you know these huge bands like Lagwagon, right but when you look at those bands they are just yeah sorry i, I was i was just saying that like that you know some of these bands that people worship like the descendants or like you know really um you know popular longtime bands like bands like Lagwagon or um I mean, you know, 
even no effects in even though these these guys all kind of like to purport that they're like you know just like regular regular joes at what they're doing but like all these dudes are superior fucking musicians you know what i mean there's no yeah. like you listen to you try to play a lag wagon song a propaganda song fucking forget about it like oh it's yeah just, it's not happening and the fact that they you know that's why that's why the descendants are one of the greats are the greats because you you watch them play and it's like these are the great musicians who choose to play punk rock music and it sets a really high bar for the people you know trying to emulate it and that's why i think like there's a million bands but there's only like a couple good ones <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah 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 I, I, I don't mean a couple but you know what i mean yeah you and you and you could see it that way and it that's completely valid but i think the beauty of our microcosm and and what's great about the music is yes there are these outliers that are incredible musicians but we have so many examples of bands that are just maybe not the best musicians but they know how to have fun with it and the sincerity comes across musically it comes across even on record and you know, you know that's infectious too. I mean, do we love oh, yeah. do we love the Ramones because they were virtuosos? No, we love them because they were having fun, and they were emulating the Beach Boys in the most rudimentary way humanly possible. And they're just getting high and having a blast, and good on them. And they'll be remembered forever for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a classics guy, man. Like I I like you know like I love the Misfits and I love the yeah. Ramones. And I love the Dead Kennedys. And I think that there is a simpleness. Well, not the Dead Kennedy. That guy could, I mean, that, he's very right. that's on. one of those bands that, yeah, he's he's in a whole nother, they're in a whole nother category. But the let's say the Misfits, though, right? I mean, you listen mm -hmm. to those recordings. Those aren't great. They're not great recordings. They're not great not at, at their instruments. But they're unique. It's like, you know, they have like these weird fucking time like how many times they play each thing like the songwriting it doesn't really matter how good you are at your instrument i think a lot of the times how good the song is and that will shine through no matter what that's why you see these guys who are like virtuoso guitar players on fucking instagram but like they're not writing their own songs you know like they, no. they might be able to you know sweep pick fucking scales all day but when it comes to like creatively you know writing their own music I think that's an entirely different beast, you know? And yeah, the Ramones, it's like, if you ever try to fucking play a Ramones song, it's like, they had the same thing. It's like, they had this unique style of, like, how many times they played each part, you know? And, and, and it's just bizarre. It's almost like they don't know what they're doing, but they do. And that's what, yeah. you know, makes it so interesting. It's like, there's always something new to catch in one of those songs. Well, for me, the Misfits, it's like they were playing their instruments like wrong. Like some, there are some guitar parts that just sound like, oh, but, but, dude, <laughs> doesn't even yeah, sound like normal. You can't emulate it. Yeah. You know, I think there's like a, a, a punk rock is often a time and a place, you know? Yeah. And the really good ones capture an energy of of a time and a place you know mm -hmm. operation ivy that energy record you know that's yeah. that's one of those records that just kind of captures a moment in time that 
you can't you know that's like a record too like a lot of these 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 really good records transcend genres right they transcend like people so you can go to a party and with all different kinds of people and put on fucking energy and everyone knows it and everyone likes it you know even if it's like some fucking metal head guy or like whatever you know everyone likes that record yeah Um, that's good if and if you could find a way to kind of bridge that gap that's that's kind of like when you're really capturing a zeitgeist you're 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 finding that moment in time that you're talking about and although you know you can be kind of dismissive of things that you're involved in because we're we're, we're all kind of guilty of that like oh yeah that was i could have done that better blah 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 but what you just said about still spitting blood speaks to this whole thing because there's threat like you said there's threat the thrashy songs there's there's the poppier songs there's you know a, a taste for every mood almost in a 20 minute blast of of 10 songs you know that's not easy to do usually people toe the line keep the same mood to a degree we all think we're writing concept fucking albums because no even if we are like all in punk rock bands there's still a part of us that thinks we're writing melancholy and melancholy in the infinite sadness but you know in in all reality if if you can kind of call something from from everywhere and you know encapsulate everything you like about music in general into a very consolidated capsule you're accomplishing something i i think i think having a record that sound you know i had when i was bartending i one of the guys that would come into my bar frequently was was bob pollard from guided by voices jesus christ and, and so i see him i still see him on a regular we're we're friends like he let my band open up for for the guided by voices one time i mean mm-hmm. he's just you know he's a cool dude and we never uh, there's never any weirdness between us and um we would talk about music and touring and putting out records all the time and one thing that he told me once i think i had like you know we were talking about one of the raging nathan's records that was i'd either given him or was coming out or something i was talking to him about just recording and he said that you know a lot of times that he likes the things on his records to sound different like even in terms of like how they were recorded or what kind of instruments were played on them or you know if they were recorded at different times or places and and i don't know if this is true for for most people or or but it, it was interesting and, and it's kind of stuck with me is like you know he says that because if you do that it's not boring to listen to right yeah. and and i think that if you get something where, where you're talking about where you're kind of like in a in, in a mode you know where like you want to maintain a whole thing throughout the the whole record or whatever i i, I mean i think it, it could probably be great or it could probably be you know one of those things where okay this is boring um because it all sounds the same so i do think that with this particular record it's nice to have you know everybody be able to write songs because even though sonically they'll they, they'll sound different it's still the the raging nathans you know it's like yeah. if, if the four of us are playing it it doesn't really matter who wrote it or what it is because it's going to be played by us you know the ramones yeah. were like it's like ramones they wrote you know everybody wrote songs in that band mm-hmm. and um 
but when they played it, it was the Ramones, you know, it's like, you don't, you, you're not thinking about who wrote it, but that does play a large part in how a record sounds, you know? And like I said, this one, I think I wrote three or four, three, I think I only wrote three or four songs on this record and Nick wrote the rest. I think Christian might've wrote a song, you know? So it's a, it's kind of, it's different for me to listen to because I don't, I'm, there's not a whole lot of like my writing on it. You know, there's a lot of my input and a lot of my, you know, uh, playing and, and stuff like that, but like not a whole lot of my, like the direction of the record. You know what I mean? How does that, how does that affect the ego? I'm, I mean, just coming from someone who, I've never been responsible for any of the music, but every record I was ever on, I was responsible for all of the lyrics and vocal harmonies. I've like, except with the exception of one song on the last record I'd done, I'd done with my current band. I wrote everything, you know, and that's been the case like time immemorial. Um, how do you kind of like square that with your ego? <laughs> I don't know. I try. I mean, I, I try not to. Uh, I try not to, you know, have a let that affect anything, you know. But it obviously is something I notice. I talk about it, right? I mean, so like, yeah, yeah it's it's there. Um, but, but but it doesn't seem to be like really fucking with you because it's it's documented. It happened. It's no, on the record. Because it's it's us, man. You know, yeah. and, and and I'm proud of the work that we do, you know, and I'm proud of the way that the things end up turning out, you know, and, and whether I wrote it or Nick, wrote it. I mean, sometimes I rely on someone else to, to, to do that. You know, mm -hmm. I had other songs, but for this record, but they just, you know, they went to seven inches or they went to whatever. And so it was just interesting because usually I'm pretty conscious of making, trying to make it even. Um, and I had a hard time, like, kind of making a track listing for this record um because i wanted this song to be on a seven inch with this band and i wanted this to be here and you know so i kind of just it, it ended up getting thrown together kind of willy-nilly you know yeah um but yeah i rely on those guys to write songs you know and and i think that some of the best songs are when nick and i collaborate you know when he writes the music and i write the words i think there's some pretty powerful songs like one day closer on oppositional defiance that was yeah. a song that was like that um you know still spitting blood so yeah i mean i like it i don't i don't have any there's no there's no there's no butting heads in our band when it comes to like who's doing what you know yeah that's refreshing because honestly i i mm -hmm. Uh, not even speaking for myself, but speaking for uh, a majority of the musicians I know, uh, lines have to be clearly defined, you know, like this guy does this and that's it. That guy does that and that's it. And in all reality, that isn't that the, or it doesn't sound like what being in a band is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be democratic at best uh <laughs> plutocratic at worst and normally everybody kind of like hits in the middle of that um, yeah i mean we fight and scream over like other dumb shit you know that that but never the music <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah it's it's kind of funny like that that is a thing where like we all i think no matter whether we're getting along or not 
we can stand back and be like, well, the songs are good. Or like we're, we're, we're happy with, you know, with each other's playing on the songs or, you know, how they're written. There's never any time that we're like, you know, you know, fuck you and your baseline sucks. Or like, you know, what? like there's never, there's no, there's no um, discrepancies about the value of each person as a musician in the band. Yeah, It's just the things that we will butt heads about are just personality traits, you know, which is funny, I think, because I think a lot of people yeah. will fight about the music. You know? Yeah. Well, whereas in, in all honesty, if, if you're actually friends with someone, that's you're going to bicker about personality shit and, and, and the little things that bug you uh, about one another, not, you know, not the, the greater whole. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that has more to do with the fact that there's a bunch of men who are friends with one another. That's <laughs> and less to do with, you know. Well, the, the, you know, we have an interesting dynamic, man. I mean, we I mean, yes, we're friends, but like, like, I don't know, sometimes not, mm -hmm. you know, and it's weird because, you know, I'm I have a, a short temper and when it comes to things that I feel like like just need to be part of the band you know like i don't know if somebody does something that i don't like i'm very quick to be like you know to kind of fly off the handle and it was funny so so like we played this festival and um backstage there was like this company that was like cutting hair okay yeah and so i'm sitting back there and they're like oh look bill stevenson's getting his fucking haircut and like there was another seat right next to him right and i was like oh, fuck I was like, fuck this I was like, i'm going to get my hair cut so i fucking sat down next to bill stevenson and then this guy's cutting our hair you know he doesn't know who the fuck i am but he starts talking about like i think i said to him i was like hey i saw you in denver with jawbreaker recently and he was like oh yeah cool he was like he was like those guys don't even look like they like each other <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you mean? You know, and he was like, well, they just didn't on stage. Like they didn't look like they were having fun. And he was like, don't you, he's like, isn't that why you do this to like, you know, hang out with your best friends. And he's like, when I die, he's like, those three guys are going to be at my deathbed, you know? Yeah. And I was like, Oh man, fucking, you wouldn't want to be in the band with us for fucking eight hours, dude. I'll tell you that much. If you, if you guys get along so well, um, it's just not our dynamic man you know um and it sucks sometimes but that's just how we function <laughs> you, know? you know a lot of bands do function like that too i mean and and it seems like it's either everybody's there you know best friends and you know uh swashbuckling until the end together and then there are bands that make great music together and it's a little tenuous yeah that's that's the nathan's like like i play in, i play in the dopamines too and, yeah. and those guys it's the opposite right the four of us get together and it's nothing but just like kind of laughs and harmony um that comes through in the music by the way i also think that's a decision that we s silently made as a band to to keep going right it's very like it's almost sometimes hard to make decisions in that band because nobody really wants to piss anyone else off. <laughs> and, 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 and it's because in that band, everything was designed to be fun. 
right mm-hmm. and so that's a band where it's like well if you're not having fun then we're not going to do this and i respect that you know and i get very bummed out in the nathans when i'm not having fun <laughs> you know yeah uh, just because i know what it's like to be in a band with four guys that like are having a great time together all the time you know yeah if you uh, didn't have a frame of reference that wouldn't even be an issue but no i would just be bummed out you know? <laughs> yeah yeah but it's it's fascinating that even though that can be construed as kind of like I wouldn't call it dysfunctional, but but certainly a microcosm of what it's like to be at work, you know, because you don't always get along with everybody at work, but everyone has their thing that they do. And as long as everyone's doing it well, there's no reason to really be upset because the machine's functioning. Here's what it is. And I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, kind of reading anything into it, like where it's it's like, when, when I used to go to work as a plumber and there'd be people I wanted to smack with a fucking wrench, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, yeah. But, um, you, know you, you don't have to be bunny hugging all the time to be in a band together either. No, it just, it, it, it makes for interesting, you know, road trips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So do you think that kind of, uh, comes across in, in the tension? of the music itself because still spitting blood is a, it, it has tension. That's a, that has a lot of tension. You know, I don't know, man. I, 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 I really don't know. I think that like, I think that we give each other enough autonomy in, in, in terms of musicianship in the band to where, like I said, it's never really an issue. So like the personal shit, I don't think ever shines through in the music I, I i mean but i could be wrong i just don't i don't know how to like evaluate that you know usually i'll have a, a song and then then it's got drums it's got bass it's got guitar it's completely demoed out nick does the same thing christian does the same thing and so you know we usually come to practice or whatever and we're or like we'll send it to each other and be like hey i got a new song and it's already in our brains you know what i mean so it's like there's yeah. no that's how we operate. There's no like um, dispute over how it's supposed to sound. And I always tell them like, you know, especially like if I wrote the baseline, let's just say, I'll say to him, like, listen, I don't really care what you do, but like, keep this part the same. Or like, like, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Like, can you understand what I'm, you know, what I'm getting at? And so there's a discussion about, you know, how you want it to sound well, then again, I'm not like a bass player. So it's like, so when he takes it and then brings it back to me and is like, he's like, oh, I think I got something good, you know? Yeah. I trust that for the most part. And very rarely is anyone like, no, nah, I don't like this, you know? Uh, if ever, you know, I think that we we trust each other enough musically to to complete the the songs. And you have a good guideline. You know, the demos give you a, a, a very strong structural skeleton and exactly how you want it to sound you know how does that figure uh into things when uh you know you're basically the label um well it's easy for me i mean you know i that's the whole reason i started the label 
was mm-hmm. to put out my own records. And and now 12 years later, I think that like like I said earlier, you know, like regardless of what I want from my band and what I'm getting out of it, um, or what is gonna happen in the future, I can whine all day about not being signed to this record label or not playing this festival or not opening for this band. But at the end of the day, I've done everything on my terms, which is the biggest fuck you, I think, to everybody yeah. um that I could give. Uh, so I'm proud of that. And so it plays into, you know, being able to, being able to put out my own band's records in any format I want at any time I want is, has been helpful for the band. I think and it's been, it's been cool, you know, because I like to, you know, there are certain, there are bands out there that put out one record and they get, you know, some notoriety and, then they tour for two years and then they put out a second record and and it's like you know there's like just you look at their discography and there's just you know they might have three great records or something and that's the life of their band and that's okay but that's just not what we do you know it's like we it's like the band is like you know a shark man like you stop swimming like you die you know you stop moving you fucking and that's it what's this band going to do if we're not putting out records, you know? So, you know, that's, that's the way I look at it. It's just keep, keep forging ahead, you know? Yeah. So I have, I don't really have much of a format, but the only aspect of a format I have for this show is the same question. I ask every person who comes on the show ever. It's going to sound weird, but that question is, what is it that terrifies you on an existential level? Because that normally tells me and everyone else what, you know, what you're terrified of is basically what drives your personality. Oh so, man. Death, spiders, going bald, <laughs> fucking getting old time. Come on, man. This is the wrong question to fucking ask me. I, everything terrified fucking, you know, uh, time dude that's what that's what that's what terrifies me yeah that that sounds more like an existential fear and less like a you know um a situational fear spiders Uh, are existential man (laughs) (laughs) spiders Uh, that's a primal fear believe it or not even people who aren't afraid of spiders are creeped out by spiders (laughs) I, I, i i used to keep tarantulas as pets why did i keep them as pets because I was trying to break a primal revulsion. You know, the big ones don't fucking scare me as much as the little ones. Me too. Me too. Same thing. Longer, The longer and more spindly limbed they are, the more creepy they are. Can you hold on for one second? Absolutely. Just wait. I'll go with you. Um, yeah, no. It's, it's, it's time, dude. It's getting older. It's like, what do you... It's what am I... What is my what do I leave to this world and does it matter? And is it important? And what's the point, you know? And, and, yeah. and I think like at this point in my life, like having kids and, and being married and, and like, those are the people that I want to know me the best, you know? And it's, and, and so I think for me releasing, you know, putting out records is, and writing songs is a way for yes for me to express myself but also for a way for like you know somebody 
to know me after I'm gone, to leave some kind of impact. You know, leaving an impact on this world is is important to me because I don't want to just feel like I'm here for nothing, you know? I think about this shit all day long, dude. <laughs> you know, we all do, and anyone who says they don't is lying because that's that's how we're wired. That's what it is to be a human. That's why we have self-awareness uh, as opposed to a dog who's just like, do they know they're alive? Yeah. But what do they care about? Feed me, pet me. Food, yeah. You know, like, love me, love me, love me. The end. There, There's no, uh, there's nothing beyond that. There's nothing, uh, you know, that, that drives them uh, on a, on a, on an ego level or on an intellectual level. It's just baser instincts. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we, we possess those, but that's not what drives us ultimately. You know, we do those things to get by, to get through life. But what we're really after, what we're, we're really chasing is something grander than ourselves. All of us are. All of us are. And, and you know, I, don't, I think ambition is used as a, as a negative word a lot, you know. And, it's uh, not. Well, I think there is such thing as being too, you know, and, and ambitious on a, on, a, on a negative level. But I... For me, it's I feel just driven to do something, you know, and, and it might just be that after like so long of doing it at this point, you know, if I give up now, it's like, fuck, it's like, a, it's like growing your hair, or like quitting smoking, you know, it's like at some yeah. point, it's like, oh, man, you cut your hair. It's like, fuck, you've grown it for five years. Like, what, you know, there's that feeling of like, I don't want long hair, but if I cut it, then all that time is fucking wasted. Like, okay. <laughs> I haven't smoked a cigarette in seven years and I really want to, but if I do like, you know, that was a waste of seven years. And was it really a waste? Like, no, probably not. No. But, it, but you know, you see what I'm saying though. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> at, at this point, I feel like I'm kind of committed to it, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. It makes sense. But, um, there, I, I, I think had, had it not been for the fact that, you know, human beings, we are self-aware. We do have that, that ambition, that drive. If we didn't have that, there wouldn't be things like music or art or culture because it, it, it what, what purpose would it serve otherwise? Um, you know, it, it's, a, is it a spiritual thing? I, th- I think, yeah. In a, in a non-traditional uh, bent of what spirituality is, right. You know, we're trying to, become not immortal but become part of what is immortal which is art and culture those things are, are forever yeah and i think that's why i was drawn to putting out records because you know i feel that that vinyl is a very permanent form of music you know a, a permanent format yeah it's literally ingrained in a plastic disc you know it's so fucking bizarre to me um in a way that like uh, you know tapes or cds or like um you know just putting stuff up digitally on the internet doesn't really capture for me well because there's no there's no tactile component you know like a a record you pick it up like there's a smell to it there's a feeling to it yeah, you know, the, the, and it is. It's a, it's a, it's a more permanent document because 
I have records that belonged to my grandfather. I have record, yeah. you know, that, that belonged to my dad. There is just something about it that it's almost self-perpetuating. I can die like tomorrow or 30 years from now. And all this shit behind me that I've been collecting, my son can either choose to hang on to, to remember me or sell off to someone else who will appreciate it, but it's still going to be there. Oh yeah. It's going to, it's going to outlast us, outlast mm -hmm. us all. And when that, that's, that's the appeal of it for me, you know? Absolutely. And <clears throat> you've been getting into uh, releasing some, records that already were sort of immortal you know like cherry knoll being a, a pretty big example of that that i remember buying that when i was like a kid like a legitimate kid <laughs> you know i was probably 11 or 12 when i bought it the first time on on uh it was on cd because it never came out on tape but um you know, these things like, will I ever remember that CD? I probably don't even own that CD anymore, that original one. But, but you remember the impact it had on you. Of course, of course. But it didn't even sound as good as the one behind me. Oh, yeah, for for sure. I mean, yeah, I never treated, I never treated any other uh, form of music with respect. You know, I the CDs ended up on the floor of my car. Mm-hmm tapes would get melted in the dashboard i mean i've gotten better about it as i've gotten older but you know records i always took care of yep. <laughs> for some reason well the, because they are a little more fragile yeah yeah you know like you scratch them once and you're fucked it's over they're just a little more important mm -hmm. <laughs> there's, there's more reverence there's more reverence in it there's more uh ritual in it it's more Everything. surface area there's there is more surface area too but <laughs> think about it yeah you throw a cd and it's just play done a cassette you just stick it in the cassette deck close it done playing a record's a fucking ritual it's like shooting up heroin you have to like take it out of the sleeve and <clears throat> you know i used to go over it with a, a dust brush every time to get the static off of it and, and then you you know open up the top of the record player and 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 put it down and drop the knee. there's a whole yeah like, and, and you're committing time and, and energy into you're paying attention to something you know and and, and that's what you're doing you're listening mm -hmm. to a record and you know there's a lot to be said for it as just like a piece of art and in as a whole you know you have two 12 inch covers you have an insert you can open and read the lyrics and sometimes you have a gatefold and it's just like it's a really fantastic way of experiencing an album you know and i think that's lost on a lot of new genres of music or younger kids that aren't you know listening to records especially punk records you know which those is are weird. some of the most interesting you know which is the whole time it's weird that that kind of like became throwaway to people who were quote-unquote punks because the last bastions of, of of record collecting in my experience in the you know late 80s early 90s when the lp was slowly going the way of the dinosaur the only people still releasing records were punk and hardcore bands and hip-hop groups 
and what did I listen to? Punk and hardcore bands and hip hop groups. Yeah. And, and also two genres that, that, that parallel each other in almost every aspect of, of just what music is, you know, almost, almost exactly the same, almost yeah. exactly the same. But I, I think Great. the music that the raging Nathans create too is, 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 uh, you know, perfectly suited for the format too. You're putting out a record that is legitimately 10 songs in 20 minutes. You're not even expending all the time that that's allotted on a, on a 12 inch record. Nope. Just uh, making this one short and sweet. (laughs) There's something to be said about that. I, I, I like that. You know, everything does not have to be dark side of the moon. Everything does not have to be this big sprawling, no man, I mean like look at uh look at you know uh group sex, right? Mm-hmm. Like oh, fucking best records of all time. It, right, right there. yeah, <laughs> right. See, and, yeah. and it's like uh, you know under fucking fifteen minutes. Uh, you know, blood guts and pussy. Yeah, another like there are amazing, amazing records that are under fifteen minutes long. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and that captures a, a vibe or like a, 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 you know, a particular feeling. I think, and so you know, this one for us was like, all right, honestly, man, I, I'm not, I don't even, I don't even think I like this fucking record. I don't know if it's like because I, I listened to it a whole lot or whatever, but like, I, I, I'm so like ready to just like be done with all, all of everything for this record. You know, we're, to, I, I'm like. Okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna fucking release one song because because the vinyl, the pressing plants have slowed down so much. Or mm-hmm. this record's not gonna be out. It's not gonna be out in November. Fucking, I don't even know why. I might have I might have put November at, on Bandcamp because it won't let you go further than three months ahead for a pre order or something like that. Yeah. This record's not gonna be. This record's gonna be done in six months from now. You know. Yeah. And it's been at the plant for that long already, and so like. You know, I'm like, all right, well, what do I do to kill time? I'm going to fucking, I'm going to, I'm going to release one song every two weeks for the next 20 weeks until the record's all the way out. And then by then everyone will have their pre-order in and ha I've got your money and I just got to wait on the record. <laughs> you know? And in the meantime, you know, it's coming up and everyone's Spotify fucking every two weeks on a new releases. It's kind of a gimmicky way of us like staying in people's ears and I got everyone who's, you know, I got all these artists that have worked with the band before to do a cover for each song, you know, a sync for each single. And um, as exciting as it is, I'm fucking tired of it. And I want to just move on to the next thing. You know, I've got this, like, I've got splits with, I got a split with Mikey Erg coming out. I got a split with fucking this band, The Story Changes, which Mm -hmm. is like two of the dudes, our friends from Hawthorne Heights. I got, you know, there's an, another seven inch that's going out with still spitting blood that I'm just going to give away for fucking free mm-hmm. um, that I'd done that with the last two records. Cause you know, you know, fucking, I don't know. That's some punk shit to do. I figure, you know, absolutely. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, man. And then I've got, I'm sitting on fucking full. We have, we have four songs that are recorded that I'm just sitting on. I don't, I don't know what to do with, um, you know, I've got this, fucking operation ivy song that we did that we actually did a great version of uh gonna find you and actually that was one where i was like 
oh, I'm proud of this. Cause it's like, it's just like, we just nailed it. You know, I was like, this is fucking good. And we don't, I don't feel like that often, but that one's good. So who knows when that's coming out? Like there's a ton of stuff that's like out there or is, you know, is supposed to be out there. And I'm just kind of waiting around and, I, and I'm just looking forward to like doing something else. You know, it's like, I want to get done with this and, and work on a new, new record, you know? So it's more, it probably more to do with the, you know, the modern uh, malaise of, of waiting for the physical product to finally be produced. And, you know, that's something that I've talked about with so many groups on this podcast, this, the new, the new order of things where, you know, if, if you're pressing a record, you're going to wait sometimes 15 months, man. Yeah, but like, here's the thing: fucking do it right. All these bands. Here's a is a big problem. Is that, and I get it, and I understand this problem. It's like you're an artist. You create a song. You want people to hear it as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. And but guess what? That's not the way to do it anymore. And unfortunately, like when that asshole guy from Spotify was talking about how like you know bands just aren't putting out enough records nowadays, or like you know he said that's just not how people listen to music anymore. It's the truth is is that he's right because he controls that right. Yeah. So that's why we did it this way. I know that this record is not going to be out for six months, so I am maximizing my time by releasing singles for the yeah. whole record. You know, yeah. and it's like th- these bands will be like, I want to put out a record with you know with Rag Girlfriend. But like, you know, oh, we're going to put out the digital tomorrow. And I'm like, no, well, that's not that that doesn't work, because the truth of the matter is, is as soon as you put a record up available, the interest in the physical version of it declines dramatically. So if you put out right out of it. Yeah. You you, you put out your record and the record comes out a year from now. No one's going to fucking buy it. Yeah. You know, and at least for, for me, for the small independent label. So it's like, I, I'm constantly like trying to tell people like, look at this point in the game, you have to be patient or you have to figure out a new way of doing things. Um, and so this, what we were doing with the Nathans is this record is an experiment, you know, and, uh, more, more than anything, it's just kind of, uh, you know, buying time, you know, but that's what you got to do nowadays until yeah. until things are until you can go back to get a record in three or four months. You know, there's going to be a lot of bands that are sorely disappointed in how their record is perceived to, be, to have done because they they're anxious for people to hear it, which I understand. But they're not they're not making them. Wait, they're not making them salivate, you know. And how much of this do you think is actually. To do with the supply chain issues that they were touting during covid is it really, i'm not sure it, i wouldn't say it has to do with supply chain i think it, it, it has more to do with um demand mm-hmm. right and so okay the first thing you see is that you know vinyl is becoming more popular and then, then you know all of a sudden you're realizing that fucking like you know right you you can't get a you can't get your 500 copies of your record press because Fleetwood Mac is repressing rumors for the fucking 50th time, you mm. know, a hundred thousand copies or whatever it is, and they're flooding. And so if you're a, if you're a, if you're a manufacturer, you're going to take the fucking big job because it pays more, right? So they've yeah. got they've got machines, they've got and it's like political too. You've got record co- companies that are sitting on um, unused machines because they don't want other people fucking you know getting in on the business you've got new machines that are out there that press three records a minute as opposed to one record every five minutes on these old machines 
but cost a million dollars. And not only do they cost a million dollars, but then you need a place to put it. You need somebody who knows what they're doing to man to actually make the records, right? I mean, there's just like a small group of people in the world, if you think about it, that make records. And so, I I mean, there was some issues with lacquers. There was a plant in Florida that burned down um, and leaving the Japan to be the only place that provided lacquers. Lucky lacquers. Was that who burned down? No, no. Lucky lacquers is a, is a, is a a mastering engineer who cuts the lacquers. Oh, okay. Um, This was a place in that, that actually creates the, you know, the, the acetates and everything. The acetate, right. And so, you know, now there's only one place in the world that does that. And then, but like, you know, there's plants like pirates press that <laughs> they'll send it out to, you know, the Czech Republic to those plants in Europe that do direct to metal mastering. So they don't use lacquers. So there's way to ways to make records without lacquers, but um, yeah, man, it's not supply chain really. I don't think it's, it's just, a demand for vinyl and not enough people to press it, you know? Yeah. And the record store days and, and all of that, which, you know, at one time was fantastic because it did kind of feed a machine that had broken down. Right. Because the whole world, the whole world was streaming and all of a sudden they come up with record store day. And of course I bought into it too. I was right there online buying shit in the store, you know, oh, can you give me this, give me that, give me this, like trying to almost tackling people for like cabbage patch kids in 1983 on Christmas. But, you know, it, I think it, it, it reached that critical mass where no one else has a chance to. Eat. And, and, and now with the manufacturing times, they're starting record store day shit, you know, almost as soon as it begins so it's like it's really screwed everything up in turn it's great for record stores it's not so great for bands you know that aren't you know even when even my releases that have been accepted for record store day it's like who knows if i'm even going to have enough time to get the record pressed in in that amount of time at this point you know yeah Yeah. so it's a it's a it's kind of a strange time for the label and it kind of sucks right now. I mean, I have like 15 fucking records out at the plant. Most of them are paid for and I'm just waiting on them, you know, Jesus Christ. And then it's like, and all that money that I could be using for a million other things is tied up. You know, once the deposit and the fucking balance is paid, I'm not getting that money back. I'm just waiting, you know? And it's like, you oftentimes forget that you'll get a product to sell, but even when you do that money's already been spent a long time ago. So it's like, I'm not making any money with the label, you know, and maybe it's cause I'm putting out too many records or whatever, but like, you know, this shit sucks right now. Yeah. You're trying to curate in a time where there's legitimately no way to like get the, the product you're curating out to, into the hands of the people that are hungry for it because the supply, not the supply chains, but, but the, the manufacturer of it in and of itself is slow to a crawl. It's blow. It blows me away because I see some, some bands like that, you know, I I'm friendly with, uh, that are, some of them are pretty fucking big to be honest with you. They can't keep up. They can't get things into the hands of the people as, as quickly as they're promising and even as quickly as the manufacturers are promising it to them because like things will be set to go. Here's the release date. They're coming. Everything will be here. And then four months after they're like, 
but we still don't we still don't have that it's still not here yeah and, and, it, and it's pissing everybody off that's it's just unpredictable and it's it's like you know bands are like when can we plan our record release show and it's like you can't don't not no. until you have the record in hand there's no point you know because you're just gonna be sorely disappointed um unfortunately and it's like not what bands want to hear but um yeah it's just a it's a new it's a new terrain currently and hopefully it gets better you know it's like i've seen it's been kind of like it's been this way before and it gets better it kind of ebbs and flows but i think still like even with touring uh, that's still pretty sticky too you, you know I'm i mean still... touring is like it's another thing like you, you don't even fucking need to tour anymore it's like no one's going to shows anymore you have to have Fucking, you have to have bad religion, no effects, and Pennywise on the same bill to sell out a fucking venue, and it's it's just be it's like, I, you know what I'm saying? It's like I, I I don't think that rock and roll in general is like what people are after right now. You know, uh, it's like guys you, my your age that are going to see shows, and it's yeah. it's not pulling in a lot of the young kids, or at least in the Midwest or the places that I tour and go see. Um, and it's like that everywhere. It's like, that's why, and it's making it more difficult for local and regional bands to find any type of success because nobody wants to put a fucking local on the package tour because they're not bringing anybody in or enough to make a, a difference. And these bands are trying to make money, you know, because at this point it's their fucking job. And yeah. most bands now have realized that they don't even need to tour. They'll just play these fucking punk and drublick festivals or they'll play you know they'll play just major festivals and that's yeah. it that's where you'll see them and it's because that's where all the you know you're gonna get you're gonna get a hundred bands in one fucking thing you know and 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 that's you'll get enough money to pay everybody and it's like if i can make twenty five thousand dollars playing a festival why would i spend three weeks on the road playing bogarts you know what i mean when yeah. when you don't have to yeah, still still doing Knights of Columbus and Firehall shows, whereas you can quite easily go do, you know, punk rock bowling and one or two other things. And and you got it. You already made that money. That's it's already exactly. Been... And, and and unfortunately that's just the way it is, you know. I'm watching all these bands cancel Europe, all these fat records bands. They all have. They all have. I saw down by law fucking pairs bad cop that's on millen Colin, right those are like four or five bands that i just saw in the last and those are all fucking the same tour that's all destiny tour booking right yep and then and they all cancel and it's like well in europe it's like they rely on pre-sale tickets it's not like it's not like uh going to the door you know yeah. so it's telling me that people still aren't going to shows um and millen maybe people want too and much fucking money to play anymore it's like yo man what if you didn't cut your what if your guarantee wasn't so high would people still come or would you would it matter i mean i don't know i can't answer these questions i don't know them personally you know but like it just seems awfully fucking like an awful lot of work to book a tour and then cancel it um you know be, because of these poor ticket sales it's like i don't know maybe try a smaller venue maybe your band's not as big as you think maybe people just don't <laughs> want to fucking go to shows i mean i don't know you know i yeah I, and I'm not. I'm not saying anything in particular about those bands. I just mean, you know, fuck, man. I played with Down by Law once. Yeah. You know, in Toronto, and there was like no, there was like ten people there, and they played for a fucking hour and a half. So it's like, listen, 
it's not 1995. Maybe adjust. You know, I, I don't I don't know. It's 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 a weird make the scale slide a little bit because you know sure. I don't know, man. I my band uh probably five years ago, we got before the pandemic, we got hit up by the queers. They were coming through. Um we couldn't get them their guarantee. So what did Joe Queer do? He said, All right, man, I'll just take whatever you guys can get for us from the door. We'll still make sure you get paid. And we'll still have a fucking show. Hey, what does that sound like to you? Punk rock. Sounds yeah, like dude. Punk. I hey man, I played I, I played in the queers. I know Joe, and that's exactly what he would do. That's Joe. Joe's a fucking great guy. I don't care what people say about Joe Queer. He's a great fucking guy. Yeah, listen, listen. I Joe has opened uh he opened a lot of doors for me. And you he was know, listen, record our I, album for like next to nothing. I don't agree with everything Joe says. Nor do I. Um, or does, but like, you know, we've discussed that. And also, I'm not going to throw him under the fucking bus, man. Yeah. I, I won't do it because like that guy, it's just, he's he's a, a friend to bands, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, dude, that's exactly what it is. Instead of fucking throwing a fit, right? He was like, ah, fuck it, whatever. No yeah, worries. He, he was like, hey, somebody told me you guys were cool. Uh, you know, it was a girl that we knew that he was friends with and we ended up becoming really like friendly. He was legitimately going to record our record for nothing, like next to nothing. We just had to go to his studio and do it. And it turned out that, you know, there was a studio in our backyard that we could do it for the same kind of thing. Uh, I was bummed that we didn't go and record with Joe just because I've been listening to his music since I was like fucking 12. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of guy he is. Dude, he's call he calls my kid or you know he calls me wishes my kids a happy birthday he asks how my wife's doing he you know he I've seen he never turns a fan down he never he never said makes anybody weird about taking a picture or signing an autograph and uh you know he, I he, I learned a lot about just how to be a fucking um a decent like guy playing in a band you know all politics aside he's he very much, you know, is appreciative of the people that, you know, are listening to his music. Same thing with the guys from the parasites, same kind of situation when we played with them, uh, just solid, like front to back, solid human beings. Yeah. We did a split with the parasites. Yeah. I love that record. I, I love that it. record. Um, <clears throat> there, there's a, there's something about the Nathans that makes you guys fit in very seamlessly with the generation that you and I kind of grew up on. Right. Um, you know, because I'm, I'm in my late forties now, mid to late forties. Uh, the stuff that happened right before me, uh, that I was going to see when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, it seems like the, the guys that are still around from that, they're, in, they're still in it for the right reasons. And, there's legitimately a vibration or something about, you know, what you guys do that, that smacks of that. It feels right. It feels like it belongs there. Well, I think that's because we're, we're genuinely fans of punk rock music. Like, and I think a lot of punk rock bands, you got guys in the band don't listen to punk rock. I say this all the time. 
Yeah. You know, it's like there's a guy, you know, bands that fucking wouldn't be caught dead listening to fucking punk rock music. It's just not their thing, but they play in a band that's a punk rock band. And I just never understood that. And I think that like Nick and I especially are fans of all genres of punk rock. So it's like if we were like, hey, let's write a song and have it sound like fucking like, you know, L.A. hardcore in like 82, like we can we could set aside a song to do that if we were like hey man let's write a fucking if we wanted to we were like hey let's write a fucking ska song we would do that and it would sound accurate enough of whatever time period we were trying like and i think that's because we're fans of all of that music and so we're able to pretty easily pick out like what we what we want to do we don't do that often but it's like sometimes you can tell like oh like well, Nick was listening to, you know, Stiff Little Fingers a lot, you know. Yeah. Or like whatever, so, you know, Josh was listening to fucking, you know, whatever again. And um, yeah, I think that's a good thing. You know, I think that 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 being a fan of what you're doing makes it seem genuine, you know, or brings a, a genuine in genuine genuineness to it. I don't know. It's fucking whatever. No, yeah, absolutely. And 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 furthermore, when you do go far afield with stuff like that, it it still kind of sounds like the Raging Nathans. It doesn't go you're not taking it to a place where it sounds like okay, yeah, maybe they're 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 reaching here. It, it it's not like uh it, it's it's not like you're doing a Leonard Skinner cover. <laughs> but you know, like you could do an LA hardcore song. You can do uh uh you know, like an Op Ivy style ska punk song, and it still sounds like the Raging Nathans. I mean, if we covered fucking Leonard Skinner, it would sound like the Raging Nathans. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's what I like about this band. And that's why, like, you know, bands like Pennywise is a perfect example, or Bad Religion. Those two are good examples because it's like lots of people don't like them as bands. You know what I mean? Like punk rock pe people don't listen to them. But the one thing I'll say is, you're never gonna fucking hear Pennywise on the radio and say this is somebody else they yeah. are uniquely them and same with bad religion and you'll never mistake them for another band there are plenty of bands that emulate them and sound like them but bands like that have their own sound and i think that that is um great you know like it or not i, f I find that kind of funny that uh there's anybody within the confines of punk rock that wouldn't like a a bad religion record oh man people are <laughs> fucking snobs dude that's so silly that's silly yeah. i mean I, I can understand with pennywise just because like you know they did have a record where zoli teglis from ignite was on the record and as much as i love his vocals it it didn't kind of make sense together yeah uh, but that was like that's later you know yeah that, that's, yeah, that's, that's way later yeah. so distortion's another one i think it's a great band people fucking hate on that all the time i love everything they've ever done everything they've ever done i, I think know. they're a fucking great man you have a great night man i yeah I, you too man it was a pleasure speaking with you and thanks for having me likewise thank you so much and i love your band i love what you do can't wait to do it again all right talk to you soon man see you brother all right bye-bye bye-bye all right folks that was josh we had a great time together we got into uh like I'd said, the minutia of what, you know, it takes to be involved in a band like this. And uh, 
you know, the inner workings of their relationships and, and what makes them tick. And furthermore, what makes him tick? The music he loves, what, what drives him to, you know, continue creating. And, you know, it's appreciated. That sort of candor is not, it's not usually automatic. I, sometimes I really have to kind of like dig it out of people. Um, not the case here. Very hard on sleeve, very honest. Uh, I loved every second of this. I hope you did too. Um, that being said, listen, we have so much going on with this podcast right now. It's hard for me to keep up. This is episode two of the Black Friday uh, dual release. And I just wanted to remind everybody one more time. You can become a member and help us keep the lights on help keep this podcast afloat and in doing so you get so many extras you get the extra episode per month you get the uh the soundtrack to the podcast um with a lot of exclusive content that you can't find anywhere else mind you uh but most importantly you know it, it shows me that there's a community of people out there that are actually interested in what i'm doing here and, you know, that means the world to me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, listen, I appreciate everyone for whatever level of support they give me. Um, all I ask in return, if you enjoy this, really, is, you know, share it with your friends. Like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, uh, wherever you listen. You don't necessarily have to part with any hard-earned money cash in order to show me that you love what I'm doing here. Just uh, the minimal amount of support would go a really long way. That being said, he's been Josh. I've been Peter. You've been beautiful. And from all of us at 3.33 a.m. Studios, this has been the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday. We have more holiday coming up. And I'll keep holding up my end as long as you keep listening. Take good care of each other, and we'll see you again. Good night, everybody. <laughs>